It's July the 15th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. And here we are, middle of July, middle of the summer. I hope it's going well for you wherever you are. So glad you've joined us today. We've gotten so many uh, kind words and comments. Well, this one came in from my buddy Derek, who said, Hello, Pastor Ray. I'm so enjoying the daily readings and believe you are God's man to do this for such a time as this. You're so cool, yet humble. Thanks, as our nation needs this. Let me, let me, Derek, thank you so much. It has been a long time since anybody called me cool, much less humble. You're so cool, yet humble. Well, I appreciate that. At least it made me smile. And I will say the one part of what you said is 100% right, is our nation needs this. America needs the Word of God. We need to get back to the Bible. And I'm doing this for myself and my family and my friends so that we can all just say together, we believe in the Word of God, but I pray God might use this to have, a, have a, an impact far beyond anything that we could know or expect. Thank you. I, I've noticed recently a lot more people are liking those videos. Please keep that up and please subscribe to YouTube and to Rumble. You want to make a difference in the world, in our nation? Well, the more videos you like and the more times when you subscribe, the more people are subscribed, the algorithm pushes pushes these videos up higher and more people see them. So that's the way that goes. We're in the book of Acts now. We're coming down the home stretch. Only three days left in the book of Acts. We've gone through the part about Peter, chapters 1 through 12. Now we're coming to the end of the whole book, the part about the Apostle Paul from chapters 13 through 28. We've gone through the first missionary journey, and then the Jerusalem Council, the second missionary journey, the third missionary journey. And now, now, watch this, what's about to happen. This is the story starting in chapter 21 through 28, Paul's journey to Rome. Paul's journey to how how does a how does a a a a Jew like Paul, brilliant man, yet steeped, raised in the uh, in, in the heart of Judaism, how is it a Pharisee of the Pharisees who now becomes a follower of Jesus? How does such a man end up in the heart of Rome, the the center of the ancient world? Well, this is going to tell us how he gets there. And remember when we left off in chapter twenty. Paul was on the island of Miletus near Ephesus saying goodbye to the leaders of the Ephesian church. He said, you will never see my face again. So he's not going to go from Miletus directly to Rome. He's going to go from Miletus down to Jerusalem, and some things are going to happen there, and he's going to go to Rome. It's going to take him longer than he expected. He's not going to make the journey in the easiest possible way, but God's hand is going to be very clear. Let's just begin to read now, Acts 21. After we tore ourselves away from them, we set sail straight for Kos, the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. Finding a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we boarded and set sail. After we sighted Cyprus passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria and arrived at Tyre since the ship was to unload its cargo there. We sought out the disciples and stayed there seven days. Through the Spirit, it's interesting, through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our time had come to an end, we left to continue our journey 
while all of them with their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship, and they returned home. When we completed our journey from Tyre, we reached Ptolemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. After we'd been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owes this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. That's the second time that's happened, warned twice in this chapter. And then Paul replied, What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more, except the Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also went with us and brought us to Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to stay. When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. The following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God and said, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Uh, take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay for them to get their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourself are also careful about observing the law. With regard to the Gentiles who have believed, we have written a letter containing our decision that they should keep themselves from food sacrificed from idols, from blood, and from what is strangled, and from sexual immorality. So the next day, Paul took them in, having purified himself along with them, and entered the temple, announcing the completion of the purification days, when the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, hell, this is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our laws, and this place. What's more, he also brought Greeks into the temple, and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was stirred up, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. As they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that all Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them. Seeing the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander approached, took him into custody, and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. Since he was not able to get reliable information because of the uproar, he ordered him to be taken back into the barracks. When Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd, for the mass of people followed, yelling, Get rid of him! As he was about to be brought into the barracks, Paul said to the commander, Am I allowed to say something to you? He replied, Do you know how to speak Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt some time ago 
and led 4,000 men of the assassins into the wilderness. Paul said, I am a Jewish man from Tarsus of Cilicia, a city, a citizen of an important city. Now I ask you, let me speak to the people. After he had given permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned with his hand to the people. When there was a great hush, he addressed them in Aramaic, Aramaic, trade language, common language of the day. The Jews would have spoken to each other. They would have known Hebrew, some of them, most of them anyway, but certainly would have spoken in Aramaic. Chapter 22, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. He continued, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strictness of our ancestral law. I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, arresting and putting both men and women in jail, as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you were persecuting. Now, those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I said, What should I do, Lord? The Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you've been assigned to do. Since I couldn't see, because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand of those who were with me and went into Damascus. Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there, came and sit, stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and saw him. And he said, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth, since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. After I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him telling me, Hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, you know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. When the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. He said to me, Go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this point. Then they raised their voices, shouting, Wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. As they were yelling and flinging aside their garments and throwing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, directing that he be interrogated with the scourge to discover the reason they were shouting against him like this. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, Is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and is uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went and reported to the commander, saying, what, what are you going to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, he said. The commander replied, I bought this citizenship for a large amount of money, but I was born a citizen, Paul said. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. The commander, too, was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. The next day, 
since you wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priest and all the Sanhedrin to convene. He brought Paul down and placed him before them. Now, there's a couple of things to think about as we're going through this journey from Jerusalem to Rome. And we're just at the front end of this. Basically, from chapter 21 on, um, in the story, as we have it in the book of Acts, the Romans look good. What I mean is, every time there's a question of Roman law, the, the Roman officials are pre presented as, as being careful and thoughtful and willing to listen to the evidence. And it's clear from the book of Acts that the various Roman leaders in various places, they don't want to get involved in what they consider to be quote, Jewish controversies. So they don't, they, they, don't, uh, they, they don't want to decide who the Jewish Messiah is, much less they don't want to decide who Jesus is and did he really rise from the dead. They're just trying to get justice done. So it's interesting, all the way through to the end of the book, the Romans and the Roman legal system, I, I think, is, is held in the highest esteem. And Paul's going to use this Roman legal system to his own advantage. It's the Jewish leaders who appear craven, who appear angry, who appear envious, who, who are willing to stir up the crowds. And it's the crowds who are screaming away with this man and wipe him off the face of the earth. In all of this, we see God's hand. What is history? His story. Circumstances are the fingerprints of God, fingerprints of God. And it appears, appears that Paul is in real trouble here. And if the story ended, uh, we'd be left hanging because Paul is still in Jerusalem. But in just a few chapters, he's going to end up where God always wanted him to be in Rome. He's going to be in chains. He's going to be under house arrest. And yet he's going to be free to welcome visitors and to preach the gospel. He's going to make it to Rome according to the will of God. Well, we're going to just stop the story right here and just say, my friends, whatever happens to you today, circumstances are the fingerprints of God. And you can't always tell when you're in the middle of a struggle or a hard time or a controversy. You really can't always tell what those fingerprints of God are pointing to. But understand, nothing can happen to you by chance. Nothing can, There is no such thing as chance. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as fate. There is certainly no such thing as bad karma. There's no such thing as karma. There's only the providential hand of God, the fingerprints of God, working through the circumstances of life that we call good or bad, happy or sad, positive or negative. God is at work, his work, at work to make us like Jesus and to get us from where we were so that we will end up in the end exactly where he wants us to be. You can trust him. Go out and have a great day. Have a wonderful day. And remember, your times are in his hands. Higher hands are leading you today. Trust him. Have a great day, folks. Come back tomorrow. We're going to take another twist and turn in the story of Paul on his journey to Rome. God bless.